Before we jump into this episode, I'm excited to announce our brand new AltDoc HELOC product. That's right, the wait is over. Fund Loans has a second position home equity line that uses 12 months bank statements to qualify. We can do loan amounts up to 500,000 and CLTVs up to 90%. Inquire today at fundloans.com. On this episode, I get the pleasure of speaking with Mark Wilson. Mark is a CPA and managing partner for CWDL, a CPA firm specializing in the mortgage industry. Prior to starting the CWDL CPA's firm, he launched and eventually exited GEMC, which is a privately held mortgage bank located in San Diego. In addition, he's served as CFO for multiple financial service firms, participated in raising capital in a merger and acquisitions transactions. Mark and I speak about what's driving success for certain brokers and why others are failing. Listen close as we explain why brokers should be focusing on jumbo loans and non-QM. And last but not least, we discover and share one of the most unique ways to get referrals from CPAs. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the show. We're here with Mark. Thanks for showing up, Mark. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, you have a CPA firm, but it's more mortgage-centric, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so a managing partner of CWDL, Mortgage Banking CPAs. We're a firm that specializes in the space. We do some of the more traditional work of uh, audited financial statements, uh, full-blown tax returns, multi-state, uh, special allocations. We do... Uh, uh, tax credits for mortgage banks all over the country. Um, and then we do some of the non-traditional work, which is uh, consulting, um, accounting department, outsourcing, uh, full from accounts payable all the way up to CFO level services. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide a full um, a full service related to that to that need. Uh, we just kind of discovered through the years of servicing this industry that um, it's hard to find good accountants. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find accounts that understand mortgage banking, accounting like, like AMB and Loan Vision and, and QuickBooks certainly. Um, so we've trained all of our people in that. So that's a that's another big service that we've we've seen a, a nice. lot of growth in the last last couple of years. But yeah. So one of the benefits, I guess, of being where you are in your chair is you get to see like what these mortgage banks are doing. You can yeah. see they're, if they're they're suffering from losses. You can see if they're, you know, this quarter from that quarter to that in the next quarter, you get to see kind of where they're at financially. And then you meet with them, right? And you get yeah. to ask them like what they're doing, kind of you find out what, you know, what's causing the the, the good or the bad. Necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So t- tell us like what what's the general pulse or uh, temperature of the industry right now? Yeah. So, so we're just, we're just uh, finished up closing out all of 2018, right? Oh, so yeah. so 2018 financials were due March 31st, which was just Sunday. Okay. And uh, so last year, I would say overall, most companies had a very difficult year. Uh, production was down. Yeah. Um, but in turn, what we've seen in addition to that is the first quarter things are up. So uh, they, although we're upset about last year, they're very optimistic about what's going on in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where we look and we, we track new loan apps and, yep. and see how that's building. And most pipelines have been building over this quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are optimistic right now. I don't think um, if they've, there's more optimism, I would say, going into 2019 than there certainly there was in 2018. Interesting. And, and it's been a big difference. What do you think is causing that, that change in optimism? Uh, I think I think there's there's I think the non-QM space certainly is giving people some additional um, hope for yeah. growth, um, better margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2018, the secondary market wasn't um, the the appetite for the asset class wasn't mm-hmm. very good, right. and so that decline in that appetite uh, drove the overall price down for mortgage banks. Yeah, I kept and, hearing margin compression, margin compression. Yeah, it was a, it was a very it's been it was very difficult. Some of that is coming back a little bit, but mm-hmm. but I think still in your traditional space, there's there's still a fallout of some of that margin that was that wasn't here like in 2016, for example, which was a great year, right? Right, like 16 right. into 17, yeah. Like like companies like Impact and I think Cash Call, like I saw, I heard they had they're publicly traded, so you can see their financials, yeah. but they had pretty big losses. And I know that. Like yeah. after so that overall that whole asset class was off. 30 basis points at least. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. overall, just just because there's other assets in the secondary market that people were more attracted to. Right. And it's just it's you know it's pretty simple economics, right? So there's not enough room on these on these loans that uh, they can make enough money. The, the broker a point or two yeah. or whatever it is, and they, they got to make their branch margin and they got to make their yeah right the, yeah, right right. And the so cost per these... acquisition is not going down. The cost of manufacturer loan yeah. has not been going down. So right, um, you know some stats you, you look at uh, the average you know price to per loan is is almost it was more it was inverse than the average amount made per loan on a gross basis so um you know even people that had an increase in production if they weren't paying attention to margins were losing money so even more the more they originated even more they lost so so that was a very difficult year for a lot of clients and not all some some clients were really you know, they, they paid attention to that really mm-hmm. controlled their cost structure right. and had a, had a good year. But, you know, I'd say the vast majority uh, had taken some substantial dips in their overall net worth due to losses. Do you think that uh, there was some hesitancy to get into the non-QM space? From, from yes, a lot of, a lot of you know, banks. I was, first of all, the name non-QM has got to be the worst name ever. <laughs> like whoever name. the marketing, there was no marketing person. I don't <laughs> this think this is not a, a qualified mortgage, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, so. it's non-qualified. <laughs> they should they should call it something different. You know, because yeah. um, it actually you know it is a qualified. It's you know you have to qualify for this mortgage. So I think it's there's hesitation in um, a lot of people got hurt in the last um, run up when when kind of pre-crash like yeah pre-crash right when when there's a big run-up and the alt a and the um subprime era and um i think as a result a lot of people who are who are in the business back then the ones that made it through made it through looked at non-qm and they're like oh my god we're returning to something uh that was a was bad overall for the industry right um i don't look at non-qm in that light at all i I think non-qm as a different type of product is nothing it's a lot different than that product back then so i think there has been some hesitation to 
to it. Well, I mean, you're you're looking deeper into someone's uh, tax return. No, I mean, you're looking at deeper into their financials. So you're looking yeah. at every every bank statement. You know that they, when their wives or their whoever's getting their nails done, they're eating at Taco Bell or In and Out Burger, whatever. You see every detail. Right. And you see an NSF if they're if they're not if they're spending more than they make. You can tell. Yeah. You can't tell that on a W two. You know, no. You, you can't. You just see. Oh, they make pretty good money. You can't see their spending habits, so That's you can't right. really, you can't really, you know, know much about them other than what you know the government says on their return or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not a new concept, right? So if you wanted to get a uh, consumer loan and you're a business, you could give access to your bank statement, and get mm-hmm. a get a decision ran on on whether or not you would qualify for that loan, literally in. Four four minutes, right? Right. They just, so they, they, just, they, they look at so. your deposits. They can source it through AI. Understand whether that's income or it's debt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the future of this business, I think, um, has to change. I think I think partially uh, the whole underwriting process might change, even from um, an agency perspective, and even Govies in the future. There might be a change in that in that uh, environment in the future and technology as well I mean I think yeah. in general the mortgage business is behind in technology I think oh. the crash just sort of set a lot of companies behind yeah. for, for a while yeah it's a yeah from a technology perspective it's super fragmented right right you know your front end doesn't talk to your back end it doesn't talk to your um, you know your your lead source, you know, sure. Contact management system. Unless there you fork out a ton of money for like, like Salesforce or something. Right. Then, then maybe you get it. But, but, uh, so, um, like you're, you're in this business, you see all the, all the different nuances, you know, day to day and quarterly, you know, monthly, uh, KPIs of businesses. What, what's driving the good, the guys that are doing well, like what, what's driving that? Is it, is it direct to consumer platform or what kind of what's been working in the industry? So it, Obviously, non-QM, you said, but what, what else is driving it? Like, I, I think companies who know themselves and know mm-hmm. what they're good at seem to do better. And I, what's that mean? You know, sure. there are people that want to specialize in a particular niche and mm-hmm. um, have a have a particular source for where they get their business. Um, that might be somebody that specializes in VA, for example, sure. and they they know how to how to own that market. So right. they they feed that market through maybe consumer direct model or relationship driven. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite is too for for like uh, wholesale companies that go out and find brokers who, first of all, make good relationships with brokers who uh, turn in quality quality business. Right. And. Um, and and have a good source of leads, right? So yeah. obviously we're CPAs. We get we we get tapped on the shoulder often from for mortgage own, guys. For mortgage guys, right? Hey, do you have any referrals? Do you have got any referrals? <laughs> what do you do? Do you just shut them out, or do I, you have? I just want to get a coffee. Um, <laughs> which is what fine. works, by the way, with that because that's that's true. I mean, well, a lot I, of our viewers are probably kind of knocking on a on CPA's right. door saying, like, "Hey, I know that you know these people that I can help. Like, what would be a, a good approach?" So. Like personally, even in yeah. my own life, right? We're gonna refer people we trust, and yeah. who do we trust, right? Um, if I have a client that I've known for a while who comes in, and they happen to be a loan officer, mm-hmm. and I know they're gonna take care of my other clients really well, I'm gonna be really open to referring somebody to them, right? And right, understanding right. what they do. Sure. So I think starting with the people you currently do business with mm-hmm. is the easiest way to create a referral source, right, right. which also means that you should be doing business that with people that 
that are successful, that um, have a book of business, that deal with people that maybe are high net worth type Mm -hmm. of, um, especially in the non-QM space, that that are self-employed. Maybe you go to a CPA firm that has a lot of entrepreneurial perspective, a lot of entrepreneurial clients, Mm -hmm. and get to understand what they are because you can build that relationship, which can be, I think, um, super valuable over the long run. Do CPA firms advertise that they specialize in entrepreneur type of You can interview CPA firms, right? Right. You can say, hey, listen, I want to come on board. I'm looking for somebody who does a lot of um, business business owner work and and, um, as opposed to somebody who might just do individual tax returns. Mm -hmm. um, There there are CPA firms that specialize in uh, uh, individuals that have stock options in all these different areas. And so just creating a, like figuring out who your avatar client is, like what's your Mm -hmm. best client. Um, and then finding people that serve that particular group, it goes a long way. Right. That's cool. Um, there might be some, you know, some small firms that are just individuals and they're just getting people who actually need like a tax professional for the first time. They're mm-hmm. just getting ready to get in that space and they might be an EA. It might be a smaller type of firm and that might be your target group, but it's just understanding. I think who you're serving goes a long way. That's so good. I've seen that. So you're an entrepreneur. I know you did uh, some other things besides just, you know, getting into to, um, CPA work. What kind of, how'd you get your start? In the mortgage, like, how come? You, why did you get into mortgages? Yeah, and, yeah. And focus I, on. It's that. funny. I, I kind of always say it kind of chose me, but um, I've, I initially worked for a firm that used to audit brokers, bro- and brokers had to be approved uh, through FHA, or uh, they had to get an audit done to be able to originate FHA loans. Right. And um, so we started auditing mortgage companies, and I learned. I, I met a bunch of loan officers, and. I was a young guy right out of college and I went, boy, these guys are making a ton of money and I want to know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) And, um, and I just got done killing myself getting out of school and I wasn't making anywhere near what the loan officers were at the time. And so their, their financial statement, you're like, damn, I'm like, man, what am I doing? (laughs) So uh, I just started learning and it, and it just intrigued me and I got real interested in it. Um, I was able to build up a book of business with a bunch of mortgage bankers as a result. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of learned it from that side and then eventually uh, built that company up in, in my own book of business and was able to sell my own book of business and um, took a job with a seller and servicer of debt. Um, mm-hmm. we, we bought debt and sold it and we, we raised a bunch of mo- money and um, that company had, uh, had uh, an IPO, uh, at least the founders did. And then we took, I went to, um, I was recruited out of a, another mortgage bank to be their CFO. Um, that company was doing about 20 million a month in originations and ran it up to over 80 million a month and um, really learned a whole lot through that experience on uh, taking on, you know, how to sell loans, um, you know, to investors and Wall Street firms and, and what what uh, hedging was and derivative assets and all these crazy things that you got to learn when you're on our side. Right. And uh, ended up exiting that company and started my own mortgage bank, raised money, put together warehouse lines, even did a private warehouse line um, um, and then exited that company as well. Was that in like the 2000s? Yeah, in 2000s okay. and then came back. It, was, it wasn't it was the uh, most exciting exit, I will admit. <laughs> it was more like, holy smokes, I got to, you know, not 
get too hurt here. <laughs> but I did end up selling that company, and then um, and then started this firm. And I think what what has kind of allowed us to grow in this space is really being uh, not only on the side of public accounting, but um, being on the other side, being an owner, mm-hmm. understanding loan officers and the, the relationship with the with the ownership and that perspective and understanding secondary markets and all that's that. Good. So that's that's why we fell into this, this that's specialty. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see that you are able to kind of find out what's working. So, like, tell our viewers if you if if you can kind of think at some of the the P&Ls that you looked at, like, can you tell tell like when it makes sense to buy leads? Like, like I know a lot of people invest money in mailers and invest money in, in lead purchases. Like, do you have any clients that you know, like, wow, that's working? Like, you know, you can see from a perspective of like, I've invested this much money and now I'm getting this much return because it's re- it's returned this many loans. You know, yeah. uh, is that something that you can think of? Or yeah. Is that more- are, are you talking about what type of leads are buying or? when it like so so just from a high level so 30,000 foot view it's it's really uh, when we talk to owners um, it's cost uh, of acquisition right so Mm -hmm. we look at how much does it cost to get the loan into the company right right? and you're either paying a loan officer or you're paying or you're paying a loan officer and a lead source or Mm -hmm. you're paying one or the other so it's understanding who owns that relationship with the actual consumer, the customer, the borrower. Right. Um, and so it's, you have to look at it in the aggregate, right? If you're a business owner, yeah. how much can I afford to pay a loan officer? How much can I afford to pay Zillow or a trigger lead mm-hmm. or something coming um, out of Experian? We have people that pay... Um, do trigger leads work? Like, do, do yeah, you... Yeah, they some do. Some people make like crushing some, it with that? Yeah, so if say you, say you want to specialize in a zip code, for yeah. example, right? And so you... You can pay um, Experian to send you a notification that anybody goes and gets credit for a mortgage in your particular zip code. You can pay you can pay them uh, to give you an idea of um, when somebody's coming out of. Um, I don't know, 10 years of bankruptcy and all of a sudden their credit's going to improve. They, you need <laughs> to get notified that, hey, this person's might be coming up, coming due. <laughs> and um, so so finding those sources is, can be is really valuable. Is that through Experian Direct? Like you would yeah, call you them? go Experian Direct. There's also um, Let's get Deluxe. Deluxe, also the, the check writing company. Okay, yeah, Deluxe. They also do trigger leads uh, for that. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's your traditional bank rate and... and um, it, there's a real art to when you call on those. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that they do consumer direct and they buy these leads and as soon as they get it, they call right away. Well, even though there's exclusive leads, they're, <laughs> you, everybody's selling really them. I don't know how exclusive they really right. are. because that means three or four, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that person gets called immediately. By, like, like they're the best technology right. I'm sure out uh, there. Like just, so they're getting called by 50 people right. but they're probably just starting the process yeah so creating a process of following up on those particular initial leads that might feel dead mm-hmm. they might be you know you have to know your 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 customer but they might be really 60 90 days out so maybe the most valuable time to call that lead isn't the day that it comes in it might mm-hmm. be 90 days down the road so we did a podcast about or it was a mortgage minute about buying aged leads and yeah. I, I was buying them for like under five, under five bucks. Yeah. And I could, I could go cherry pick, 
you know, the jumbo ones and, and it cost me like $3 or $4. And it said like, you know, they were sold one or two times and they were 60 days old, but I would call yeah. them and, and literally they'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, I didn't get qualified. Especially if you, if you get jumbo leads with maybe a little bit lower FICO. Yeah. It's really hard to get a jumbo loan, at least a good jumbo loan with a, with a FICO under 720. Yeah. So you just, there's a, there's a technique to all this. Like you can literally. There's an absolute science. It's knowing, yeah. you know, we say your avatar, like who you're trying to get. Right. right. And, uh, um, it's really important to know and to get in their head. Um, when, when I was the CFO of the seller and servicer of bad debt, mm-hmm. we would buy the debt for pennies on the dollar, like three cents, call yeah, it, right? But. And um, people think that it's most valuable when you buy it. It's not. We would get a trigger lead when that person would, you know, what happens, people go through a decline in income and they start to suffer. They get bad debt. It gets written off. And as time goes on, they, they start to come back, bounce back. And mm-hmm. so they go and get a the credit pulled for like a cell phone. Well, mm-hmm. we knew at that point in time that that became a better deal because mm-hmm. they are ready to return to good credit. So we yeah. can give them an option to solve it. Same is true with these trigger leads for, for, um, for Experian or even, or even the, the leads that come in through like Bankrate or Zillow or whatever, you right. know, understanding when, what's the normal cycle from start to finish on those, <laughs> those leads. So uh, one of the trends that I've been seeing in the marketplace is banker to broker. So you see like companies like C2 crushing it because they're adding all these different brokers and, and it's it's a there's a migration really from some of these bigger bank kind of lenders to and maybe they're not banks, but they're like banker or they're like lenders. And they're and so there's loan officers leaving these lenders and they're going to work for either starting their own broker shop or they're becoming a broker um, and just making that migration. Have you seen a little bit of that? trend I know at the conferences I've seen it yeah you, you know so we deal primarily with the banker side right so we're not we, we get we see guys that start off as brokers and want to become a correspondent banker right and the correspondent becoming you know to, to a mid-sized mortgage lender right yeah um, and to becoming even a servicing their own portfolios through through Jenny Fannie Freddie whatever right um, and so um, we I was I would say in the last five years, I haven't seen as much of that migration through our practice, mm-hmm. but um, that's not to say it's not happening. I'm sure yeah. it is. I'm right. sure it is. But um, well, especially with margin compression, I think what you see is that a broker can get better options than sometimes a bank if they only have certain investors. But yeah, um, interesting to see. So, uh, what about um, you know, as uh, as as a entrepreneur, do you? think there's a difference because like we get paid on BIPs, right? So as, yeah. as loan officers, you know, the amount of work that goes in and I know in your key, your KPIs, you see like how much it costs to, to, to do a loan. Right. right. And so, um, it only would make sense then to work on bigger loans, right? Because if your cost to do a loan is X, if you did a loan that was twice as big, you're going to make double the revenue, typically, unless your margin compresses. But, um, you know, in non-QM, I think the margin is fairly kind of e- even whether right. or not it's a smaller loan or a bigger loan. Would you say that jumbo loans are something that people should focus on, knowing that as, a, as kind of a numbers guy? Well, I think I think as, as a loan officer, I mean, jumbo loans are, are you know, Yes, you can make more per loan if it's if it's the right product mix. Right. Um, what I see across the board and most lenders, most correspondent lenders in particular, will set a max 
max commission yeah. on a jumbo loan. And the, the reason is because you're competing with big banks for that jumbo business and the margin to the mortgage bank is much smaller. Right. Um, and as a result, um, you know, so you have to measure that max payout to mm-hmm. what something less would, you know, something on a lower sc- or a smaller scale would be. Sure. However, on the non-QM, you don't have that same margin limitation. Right. And so- um, Especially if you're a broker too. Yeah, and especially if you're a broker, right? right? And so you can set your own amount, right? As long as you can sell it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say most of our um, viewers are, are all brokers. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, th- I know there's some lenders watching too, but, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're a wholesale lender. So right. we, we cater to the brokers. Yeah. But, um, so if you're a broker, I would say go for those jumbo deals because right. you're paid on bips. Duh. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. You're paid on bips. That's it. So, yeah. And, and, and I found too, you know, working on the smaller loans and the bigger loans that literally the, the bigger loans are easier to do because they, t- this is kind of weird, but sometimes, you know, if you have a CPA, you have accountant, you have assistants, you're just going to have more help. Yeah. You typically have a more sophisticated support group to get you the information you need. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Most of them are with CPAs. Most of them, you know, have, have that support. And I wonder, so I wonder if, uh, um, if you closed a loan for say an entrepreneur and that entrepreneur was stoked, um, on your, you know, on what you did for them. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't we ask that borrower to introduce them to their CPA? I mean, you already got their, you might not have their tax returns because, and you might not have been introduced because you're doing a bank statement loan, but you could say, oh, you know, you do need a CPA letter. So that might be a good way to go is to call. Well, or how about just send the, the closing package package to to the CPA, to the CPA with introduction. Hey, hey we have the, a mutual client. Uh, I and and so then the CPA isn't looking for that later. Right, you're Actually, anyway. just do it as electronic file, right? Say, sure. hey, get permission from your borrower to send it. But say, hey, That's I want a great idea. Yeah, here here's the closing package. You're gonna need this at the end of the year. I know it's always tough to get. Let right. me make your life easier. Here it is, and here's my contact and information. Just put, like we specialize in self-employed yeah. loans. Something That's like that. It. Boom. That's it. Yeah, it's a huge, huge deal. I never thought of that. That's a cr- no. It's it's we we have we do get that occasionally, and it's always we always remember that. That's, That's always very cool. Shortcuts that do whole that. Price. That will get you loans. That'll right? get you loans. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That'll get you loans. That's yeah. cool. All right. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave with us? No, I mean thanks. Thanks for having me uh, on on the show. I think it's a it's a great show. I watch it all the time, so uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of it and. Uh, I think you guys are doing great stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Great to have you on, man. Thank you, man. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund loans together.